Welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month, where we connect with dental experts, leaders, and specialists in their field to copy genius. Welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month. This is Steve Anderson, and our guest today is well known to Crown Council members. He's been a a mentor and a resource partner for many years, Jack Fairchild, who among his many designations is a certified clinical nutritionist. And uh, that means different things to different people. Let me explain exactly what Jack does so that you have this in perspective. So uh, Jack spends his days helping people stay and get healthy naturally. Uh, So he uses a variety of of, uh, tools to assess what's going on, Uh, everything from blood tests to hormone tests, all kinds of different uh, tests to determine really what is is the root of what's going on. And then with uh, natural means, with supplements and uh, other means, then tries to bring everything into balance. So um, Jack's been a great resource to us for many years. He's been a certified clinical nutritionist for over 25 years. He's worked with hundreds of professionals. He's worked with hundreds of Crown Council dentists uh, to, to help them get healthy and stay healthy. So in today's uh, podcast, what I've asked him to do is to focus his comments and his really instruction on stress. And stress means a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh, he's going to focus in on six stressors that have to be managed. And these are very applicable in dentistry, especially uh, those that are providers, because dentistry is a physically demanding profession and managing all of the things that might compromise your overall health and well-being uh, becomes a major piece of the whole uh, wellness uh, plan. So with that, uh, Jack Fairchild is going to share with us Uh, the six primary sources of stress and what you can do to keep them in check. So Jack, take it away. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate you having me on today. Uh, Let's let's get started. Um, Managing stress in stressful times, we want to talk about what I have have termed over the years the six vectors of stress and the role that they play uh, in your health. So we want to just start with basic what is stress. Stedman's Dictionary uh, defines stress as reactions of the body to forces of a deleterious nature, infections, various abnormal states that tend to disturb the normal physiologic function of the body. Uh, what we're going to find out today is that there's really a lot more to it than just that. So what I want to do in is other just words, kind of, in other words, I think that means that stuff that messes you up, right? That's not the real sophisticated definition. But that's right. But it's anything that is, anything that's negative or perceived to be negative to you. Got it. And um, so you know, if we look at a traditional, just a typical healthy stress response, and we'll kind of look at this uh, graph here from from left to right. Generally, what happens is a stressor comes along. Um, it, uh, whether, and it's listed here, mental, emotional, chemical, structural, and it can be any number of things, but the stressor um, stimulates the sympathetic nervous system. The nervous system then stimulates the hypothalamus and pituitary of the brain, and this causes uh, the adrenal glands to pump out adrenaline and subsequently to pump out cortisol. Now, we've all experienced adrenaline at some point, so we pretty much know what what that has to do with, but 
the increase in cortisol is the thing we're really going to be talking about today. And generally speaking, what would happen is whenever a stressor arises, we pump out the adrenaline, we deal with the stress response, the cortisol comes in, and it counterbalances the adrenaline and everything settles back down to normal. And basically, life is good again. It's back to normal. Okay. But what occurs in today's world is we can see what we call chronic maladaptive stress responses. So it's essentially the same type of setup where we run through the stressor, we get the stimulation, we get the uh, release of the adrenal uh, hormone uh, adrenaline as well as cortisol. But what happens is you'll see here kind of in the middle of this um, slide towards the bottom is it mentions a reduced sensitivity of the brain centers to inhibit the feedback. The point being is that cortisol becomes chronic because what occurs is people begin to respond to their everyday ongoing stressors almost as if it's the end of the world. The body's saying, oh my goodness, I need to be in fight or flight all day long. Can you, um, can you define just in layman's terms what cortisol is and what it does? Yes, specifically it is a hormone that is released by the body in times of stress. And so we're back to that, that, that word again, stress. In times of stress and or when blood sugar levels drop low, it's designed okay. to actually counterbalance low glucose levels. So what will occur then is as this chronic stress response goes on and on, cortisol then has many uh, damaging effects uh, if the body is expected to just continue pumping out this cortisol on a daily basis. Okay. So you'll also see over here, uh, the very far right of the slide, you're going to find uh, it mentions losses of magnesium, potassium, calcium. The adrenaline creates high oxidation. It causes sugar imbalances. It causes fat increase. So all this kind of works, again, coming out of the stress response. So we'll go on to the next slide here and brings up the question that you just asked, which is what is cortisol? And uh, as we mentioned, steroid hormone, it's released in response to stress and low blood glucose concentrations. I wanna just kind of briefly here, if we can, paint a picture, paint some correlates with elevated cortisol. Okay. So we look kind of here in the middle of the screen, you're gonna see the uh, green box that is listed elevated cortisol. And you'll see to the top left, it's connected with obesity. So cortisol causes us to store body fat. Uh, kind of bottom left, you're gonna see cortisol causes us to become more insulin resistant. In other words, excess elevated cortisol causes the body to become resistant to insulin. Therefore, we are less capable of managing blood sugar. And from this pattern, we can see all types of things from obviously diabetes, to heart disease, to weight gain, high cholesterol, high triglyceride levels. And you know, for a lot of the dentists that I've talked to over the years, one of the big common complaints is, is kind of ongoing inflammatory issues, aches and pains. Well, insulin is the number one inflammatory hormone in the body. And all of this comes as a direct result of elevated cortisol. Wow. We'll also see, I'll point out a couple of other ones here. If we look a little further to the left, in green, you're going to see a box that says uh, aromatase upregulation. Mm -hmm. What happens with aromatase upregulation 
is in the male, this causes a conversion of their testosterone into estrogen. In fact, you'll see just directly north of the aromatase upregulation box, you're gonna see it says estrogen dominance. So over the years, one of the things I've seen with the males um, is when we test them, we find high levels of estrogen and low levels of testosterone. And at the same time, if we look coming out of the insulin resistance box, kind of to the bottom left, we're gonna see androgen uh, dominance. And a lot of times we see this with the females. We'll see uh, high levels of androgens causing uh, irregular cycles, hormone dysregulation. I mean, the list really goes on and on. So these are just a few of the things that I don't wanna spend all the time we have here on all the boxes, but you can see that cortisol is very far reaching. And one of the things that I think is interesting uh, with this particular group, and this was just a study I found uh, not too long ago, Steve, it was by the, um, uh, the Occupational Environmental Medicine Journal. I think this was 2014. And what they showed is that there is almost a 50% drop in blood glucose in less than three hours in people who work standing up. This is all the dentists and the team members. Hmm. So we'll go back a couple of slides here and, and remember that cortisol is a hormone that's released during stress or, or I should say, and or during times of blood sugar drops. So one of the things that we see with the dentists is that they are on their feet all day. I think that uh, it's common to see that they don't fuel themselves all day uh, or they fuel themselves very poorly and they right. can't make it from one meal to the next without creating a cortisol stress response. Okay. I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm seeing. So let's go on to the next slide. And these are the common symptoms over the last, I believe it's been about 17, 18 years that I've uh, uh, worked with you guys, the Crown Council, and, and uh, been a resource uh, partner. These are the top things that I see in speaking with you all. Uh, fatigue. Okay. And, and, and we see this, you know, we get comments about, Jack, I can have an eight to 10 hour, you know, night sleep, and I'm still fatigued. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, fatigue, lethargy in the afternoons. Uh, we talk to people who, you know, comment poor mental focus. They can't concentrate as well as they used to. Uh, yeah. Obviously, weight gain or difficulty losing weight. Uh, we see over here in the right uh, column, uh, allergies, arthritic uh, issues, inflammatory issues, hormonal imbalances. Uh, menstrual, menopausal, uh, andropause, uh, all these things, and they can all have a direct correlation to high stress. Many of the folks that I've talked to, they have to have coffee to get started. Um, and, you know, it's tough for me to suggest that they do something otherwise. So uh, uh, they depend on that. They create sweets. Uh, they, you know, they, um, uh, overall, they don't feel as well as they should. I've talked to many uh, within the Crown Council who they just basically say, Jack, I'm burned out. I don't yeah. know how much longer, longer I can do this. Yeah. And, and the idea is we want to get them back, back in the ballgame. We also see here towards the bottom, we'll see things like increased uh, blood pressure. We'll see high cholesterol, high triglycerides. And as I mentioned earlier, diabetes and heart disease is another big factor. And it's not always just about the individual who's eating sweets and sugars and, and drinking alcohol, things like that. Diabetes can be caused from a long-term stress response. Really? Because as I said earlier, cortisol, yeah, cortisol specifically desensitizes the cells to insulin. 
So what ultimately occurs is the more stressed you are, the more and more insulin you need to keep blood sugar within the tight parameters that the body's looking for. Got it. So therefore, high stress can be a direct cause of, of uh, diabetes and heart disease. Got it. All right. So what I'm, what I'm talk about now is, is the different types of stressors because most everybody that I speak with, when we get into stress, and you know, we use that word, they say, well, Jack, I'm not gonna break life, I'm not stressed. Right. But as you see here on the slide, there are six different areas. Um, from left to right, at the top, we have inherited uh, uh, stress patterns or what we would call maybe kind of genetic uh, patterns that uh, we picked up from mom and dad. Uh, spiritual, mental, emotional. Uh, wait, wait, stress. Jack, wait, what's spiritual stress? You don't have any. You don't have any boxes under that one. What's that? <laughs> that is, um, you know, that's kind of one of those that there are purposely no boxes because that's uh, that's an area that's really not for me to define to each individual. But here's here's what I typically say about it. I I encourage people to look and and find a belief system uh, or religion, if you will, but find something that they're comfortable with which helps them to realize simply that each of us are part of something so much bigger than just ourselves. Gotcha. And, and then I certainly, I, you know, encourage them to explore the depths of their findings at, at whatever uh, level that may be. Got it. Okay. I, so that's, that's why there's nothing there. Um, but I would also say that may be one of the most important parts of this whole thing. Got it. Um, mental, emotional stress, as I mentioned, we have chemical stress, structural stress, and external energy field disturbances. So I'm gonna come back to these because I wanna talk briefly about the thing that I see probably uh, most often with the membership. And that is down here under chemical stress at the very bottom, dysglycemia. All so right. let's talk a little bit about dysglycemia. Basically it's an inability of the body to maintain normal serum glucose levels or failure to maintain homeostasis. We okay. see this with hypoglycemia or low blood sugar symptoms, and we see it again with insulin resistance, also known as syndrome X, metabolic syndrome, or ultimately diabetes. So what this is and kind of how it plays out is basically the individual may overuse or abuse sugars and starches, sweets. What happens is the receptor sites fail to respond to the insulin signal. So therefore, the pancreas says, well, okay, if you're not going to listen to this small amount of insulin that I secreted, I'll just overwhelm you by pumping out more. Gotcha. So the excess insulin then overwhelms the resistance of the cell and basically comes flooding in. And what typically happens, it happens is the blood sugar falls and usually it falls too low because now it has this overabundance of insulin, so it drops. And this is why some people... Oftentimes they'll tell me, they say, Jack, I, I can be going along and then it feels like somebody pulls a plug and the bottom just falls out. Yep. So what has to happen then is the adrenal glands have to compensate by producing cortisol to raise blood sugar. Now, we say, well, that's great. We've, we've got a protective mechanism. The problem is, is that cortisol catabolizes muscle mass. So it literally robs Peter to pay Paul. The cortisol uh, uh, catabolizes the muscle mass, converts it to fuel, and raises the fuel gauge, and that's how it basically saves your life. It keeps you from going too low of blood sugar, at which point you could slip into a...
let's say low blood sugar coma, the catabolizing your muscle tissue. So over the years, I've had people tell me, they go, well, Jack, you know, it's interesting. I'm not, um, I'm not gaining any weight or losing weight, but what I'm really seeing is I'm seeing changes in my body composition. I'm losing tone. I'm losing uh, kind of the, uh, the strength that I used to have, and I can see that I'm getting more flabby. Right. So as you see at the very bottom, the process starts all over again because oftentimes what will happen is uh, within a couple hours later, the person may be able to make it to that next donut or candy bar <laughs> or soda water, whatever it may be. And this thing goes on and on. Got it. It starts all over. So this is kind of a, a picture. I'm going to give you a visual here of what we're talking about. Uh, we can see on this chart high, normal, and low. Obviously, we want to be in this green shaded area. And if we are eating the high sugar foods, high starch, high sugars, whatever it may be, we're going to be kind of following the outline here of these uh, red lines. We're going to be down and then up and down and up. And it just basically cycles like this throughout the day. Whereas the highs we, are high and the lows are low. That's right. And to point out, every time that you see a high point here, that's when the body is pumping in excess insulin. Yeah. Excess insulin stores body fat increases triglycerides and cholesterol and so on and so forth. As the insulin comes pouring in, it drops us down to low. Now we pump in more cortisol, which now creates more muscle wasting. And the, like I said, the process just kind of goes on and on. And, and um, you know, with high cortisol or, or chronic elevated cortisol, which is often used to counteract this low blood sugar, it also affects neurotransmitters. So high cortisol decreases serotonin, one of the neurotransmitters. That's very common. Most people are aware of that one. And therefore, uh, we don't have near the balance between inhibitory versus excitatory neurotransmitters. So the likelihood that we're going to see things like depression and anxiety is very great whenever we're seeing imbalances in blood sugar. Hmm. Interesting correlation. Okay. So let's go back to these six vectors of stress because we we certainly, as much as possible, want to give you all kind of an idea about what these are, and maybe more importantly, what we can do to try to help reduce them as much as possible. Because the goal is, is to look at all of these six, see where each person may or may not kind of fall into it, and see what we can do to help lessen the load here. Because the more and more that we can lessen the load, the less and less stress we, response we have. And let me be very clear on something that I failed to mention earlier. It doesn't matter. If, the, if a person has a mental stress versus a chemical stress versus a inherited genetic stress or even a physical trauma, the stress response is the exact same. Hmm. It's the exact same. As a matter of fact, they've done studies to show that a person can go back and simply relive, you know, with mental imagery, relive a stressor from 20 years ago, and they can stimulate the exact same stress patterns as wow. what actually occurred to them during the event 20 years earlier. So um, we, we want to certainly, I guess, lessen the load where we can. So let's actually, we'll, we'll go to the top here that we started with earlier with spiritual. And as I mentioned, uh, the idea is to just explore the fact that there's so much more to each of us than just ourselves. Um, if we, um, let's go over here to the inherited stress patterns where it says genetic disorders or expression and inherited toxins. You know, the idea is we cannot change our genes, but the literature is very clear. We can change our gene expressions. 
So that means that just because mom and dad may have had diabetes or heart disease or arthritis or whatever it may be, doesn't mean that the next person has to have that. So what we're saying here is we want to seek to optimize our genetic expression through diet, lifestyle. We want to do what we can to reduce those negative expressions by not tripping the switch, so to speak. Um, you know, in other words, the gun can be loaded, but we don't necessarily have to pull the trigger. Uh, okay. That's what we want to do. We want to uh, make sure that our genes are expressing themselves as healthily as they can. Got it. Probably wasn't the best example to use with everything going on down here, was it? Hey, well, we get the um, idea. Okay. <clears throat> no, it can um, be there, but it doesn't have to, you don't have to you trigger it. That's exactly right. Stress, right. Let's jump over here to mental emotional stressors. You know, the biggest thing that I can, I can uh, offer here, and, and it's something that, uh, I mean, even myself that I deal with on a regular basis is uh, we need to forgive, forgive, forgive. Hmm. And whether it's ourselves, whether it's others. Because most of the mental emotional things that we go through, there's either ourself, obviously that's involved there, and or others. So I think forgiveness is huge. Uh, but at the same time, um, we we want to be able to be aware of the words that we speak. Now, over the last many years, uh, I've started moving a little more into uh, some of these areas of of health, and and simply put, the words that we each use ultimately use us. So choose your words wisely. Okay. And, um, and what that simply means is, you know, the body doesn't always, the brain doesn't always understand if you have something negative to say about another person, it may not understand that you're saying that to the person. It just simply hears the words that are coming out of your mouth and it's going right back in. <laughs> so these things can play a role in continuing limiting belief patterns. So I would also say, you know, at least suggest that if this is an area of focus for each individual, you know, whoever it may be, to start looking into um, uh, therapies, whether it is, um, whether it's prayer or religion or things like um, uh, emotional freedom technique. Uh, there are things like thought field therapy. There's a lot of different things that can help a person kind of move through some of these stressful patterns. And I would certainly encourage, you know, people to look in that area. Uh, external energy field disturbances, geopathic stress, electromagnetic radiation, uh, frequency uh, disturbance. Uh, and this kind of pretty much ex explains it. What we would want to do here is we would want to limit our exposure to these things. Basically, that means electronic devices, computers, uh, x-rays, uh, UV radiation, uh, artificial lighting, which you know, I know within the dental offices, there are a lot of these things that you know uh, the teams are exposed to on a regular basis. And so these are some areas that, you know, we may not always be able to get away from them, but uh, we can certainly do everything we can to limit them where we can, and then obviously support the body's overall health to try to withstand the load on a daily basis. Gotcha. We'll move here to structural stress, um, bone deformities, physical traumas, soft tissue dysfunction. I mean, again, going back to some of the uh, members I've talked to over the years is the physical trauma of dentistry is great. Uh, yeah, it's a it's physically demanding profession for sure. That's exactly right. And so a physical trauma will create the same high stress response. So let's, let's say, you know, uh, we have a dentist that is having some aches and pains due to the work that they're doing. 
Uh, they're standing up all day, as we've already established. They're yeah. doing all these things. That physical trauma creates an inflammatory response. And if it goes on long enough, it's a chronic inflammatory response. That inflammatory response drives the cortisol response. Cortisol is our natural anti-inflammatory. So therefore, physical trauma will drive high cortisol. This then would affect all those things that we've talked about previously. So obviously, I'm suggesting that you know, people look at things like maybe uh, orthotics, uh, if, if they're having problems with their feet after a long day, uh, ergonomic chairs and massage therapy. Um, obviously, we can do things from a nutritional perspective, like natural anti-inflammatory compounds to help reduce pain and inflammation, and that's very helpful. But overall, you want to uh, assess these different areas and find you know, the, the most common factors and what, what can be done to solve those. Got it. Lastly is chemical stress. And this is probably the one that I personally see the most. We see things like uh, metabolic waste, digestive waste, natural pollutants, man-made pollutants, biologicals, uh, and as we already talked about, dysglycemia. So what we're really talking about here is we want to improve metabolic function of the body. We want to improve detoxification. We would like to improve uh, digestion. One thing let me mention about detoxification, you know, quite often when people come in to see me, they say, Jack, well, I've done all these detox programs. Well, the bottom line is this, when the high, when the person has elevated high cortisol, it basically interrupts liver detoxification. It blocks liver detoxification. So if an individual is very stressed and they say, well, maybe I'll go through one of these detox things that I pick up here at the local store. I don't care how great and wonderful it sounds, if they're having high uh, responses of, to stress and high cortisol, they are not detoxifying. It can't happen. Mm. So okay. we, we want to improve that. We want to improve that. And the way we're going to improve detoxification is by balancing cortisol and then supporting detoxification. Certainly, we want to improve digestion because simply put, whatever you're putting in, if it's not digesting, well, I have news for you. It's sitting there and it's rotting and it's putrefying. And so as it decomposes in your gut, it's creating allergy responses. Yeah. And what the body's going to do to that is respond with an inflammatory response, once again, causing high cortisol and stress issues. So this is why the next box here, which says natural environmental pollutants, we're talking about allergies. So pollens, trees, plants, dogs, cats, whatever it may be, these types of allergens will basically create a cortisol response. Yeah. Man-made pollutants, we're talking about uh, obviously chemicals, pesticides, herbicides, preservatives, drugs, things like that. Uh, obviously viruses, bacteria, which again, the dental professional, I mean, he's right there in people's mouths and, and the yeah. hygienist as well. So they're exposed to these things on a regular basis each and every day. Ultimately, we have to keep the immune system functioning as well as it can to protect the body. And what occurs with high cortisol is when cortisol is pumped out, it basically tells the immune cells to stay put. It says, we're in a stress pattern. We're not worried about defending ourselves at this point. We could care less about immune function. We're concerned with survival. So basically, it tells the immune system, sit down and shut up until I get things stabilized. And then we'll let you come out and do your business. Well, the problem is that people have stress responses that occur throughout the day. So for each stress response, we have an immune system that's basically suppressed for three to five hours. 
So right. the problem is we never get a chance to really protect ourselves. So in a nutshell, that's kind of the, you know, uh, my take on these, on these six vectors and, and what we want to do to try to unload the stress responses on each individual and give them a chance to uh, either uh, maintain or regain their health. So if you were to go through real quick to wrap up these six areas and do a, you know, an overall prescription, uh, you know, inherited stress, there are things you can do to try and heal the system so they don't trigger the spiritual stress. You've talked very well about that in terms of kind of finding your way and getting grounded there. <clears throat> the mental, emotional stress, you know, forgiveness and really working on the mental side of things. Uh, watch your environment. That's the external, um, mm -hmm. the external part of the structural piece. That's, you know, keeping your, your body in good shape. And then the chemical stress, that's all about, you know, what goes in. Managing, right. managing your diet and everything that goes along. So these, you know, what helped me, Jack, and the reason that I asked you to do this was, you know, there's a lot of conversation about stress, you know, and we typically think of stress as, you know, a stressful situation and, you know, having to work hard and, you know, multiple demands on our time. And that's just one field, you know, one area of, of six, Right, that's, that's right. really putting <clears throat> stress on the entire system. So, uh, one of the fascinating things that you've helped me with, and a lot of other people, is if I want to know where I am <clears throat> in this whole scheme of things and how how really balanced I am, how do I know how healthy I am in this area? Uh, share with us that to to wrap up here. In in this area of stress, or in like each one of these areas? I just say overall, if I've got a stress response that I may or may not even be aware of, how do you know, I know? So a couple of things that, that, that I like to use. Uh, number one is, uh, is a questionnaire that I put together uh, a few years ago, uh, which takes these six categories and breaks them down into just some, you know, individual components. And based on how you score can kind of at least give you some indication that these are some areas you need to look at. So that's one thing I use. The other thing is I, I use a salivary test called the adrenal stress index, which measures the cortisol response as well as several other indices to give us a pretty good look at how the adrenals are holding up in, in the long-term stress pattern of each individual. And then obviously, I think one of the best things is just a good case history. I mean, I sit down with a person in an hour, uh, I know an awful lot about them, and a lot of times I can pinpoint where their stressors are coming from. So those are probably the couple, three things that I, I use the most. Um, if somebody wanted, wanted to do one or more of those, uh, tell us how they can reach you. You know, give, uh, give me a call. Obviously, uh, they have uh, my resource information more than likely. Um, and uh, give us a call here at the office. And I think the best place to start, obviously, is with a case history. Uh, it's as simple as calling us, setting up, uh, setting up a time. Uh, it takes about an hour, and uh, we go through a thorough case history during that time. And at that point, based on what I'm hearing, I will then uh, see if I can't connect the dots for them, and then we set a plan from where we go from there as far as let's run an adrenal stress index. Maybe we look at a good comprehensive blood test uh, to give us some information uh, in other areas, whether it's cholesterol, triglycerides, uh, maybe looking at liver values, uh, you know, those types of things. 
but I think the first step would be let's just let's get a time to talk and, and see where we are. All right. So Jack's phone number is area code 830-896-0550. Metabolic and Nutritional Assessments is Jack's uh, company name. And uh, this, to me, what you've encapsulated here is one of the most instructive things. I mean, this whole stress response and all the different areas that it comes from and then what it results in I think is uh, one of the key really key things if you're going to stay healthy and be um, active especially doing dentistry for a long time this is a big big part of the equation so Jack thanks for all your help uh, over the years with uh, the many crown council members that you've helped navigate uh, through their stressful lives and help them be healthier and continue to do good and produce great dentistry and and help other people and and thanks for continuing to do that as we move forward i i thank you steve for the opportunity to visit with you guys and it's uh, it's been a real uh, joy and pleasure over the last 18 years of, of working with you guys so thank you uh, for that and i look forward to continuing that you got it thanks jack have a great thank day you. And anybody needs help, give Jack, Jack Fairchild, a call. Thanks for joining us on the Crown Council Mentor of the Month.